This archival program of Design Matters with Debbie Millman was produced for Voice America Internet Radio. New programs with better audio quality are now being produced for Design Observer. You can subscribe in the iTunes Store or at the Observer Media Channel on Design Observer. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. It's really hard for me to be out of New York City. I'm very impatient, and I find that when I'm out of the Big Apple, my impatience annoys people. I don't like to stand in lines, and I find that the lines outside of Manhattan move a lot slower. And since I mostly only wear black when I'm outside of the city, almost everyone I meet thinks I am en route to a funeral when I just might be going out to, well, stand on a line. Upon learning that I was venturing outside the city last year to judge a design competition, my good friend Tanley urged me, be nice, Debbie. Perhaps he had heard about one of my past experiences judging a design competition wherein the debate I had with one of my fellow jurors nearly resulted in fisticuffs. Or perhaps not, and he just knows how I can get. As my ex-husband once told our friends as we fiercely argued about what year Eric Clapton had been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Debbie is always persuasive, but she is not always right. I would say such are all New Yorkers. But once again, I have forged outside of Manhattan. Last night, I spoke at an event for the Canadian Graphic Design Council, or the GDC as it is referred. I am talking to you from Edmonton, Canada. Edmonton is mostly known for its excellent hockey, its oil, and its art community. I have never been here before, and frankly, had it not been for the invitation I received from Michael Surtees, the president of the Alberta chapter of the GDC, I would likely never have journeyed here. And it has been a marvelous journey thus far. I think that when you get away from where you are, you also have the opportunity to get away from why you are. And being here in Edmonton has been refreshingly real. The air is crisp and clean. The people are polite and nice and genuine. And, well, there really haven't been any annoyingly slow lines. So what more could a girl ask for? So it is with some sheepish irony that I introduce today's show, as it is a show about dichotomies and differences and also commonalities of great designers in great cities. I have three marvelous guests on today's broadcast, and we are going to be talking about two things, design and design, or more specifically, New York design and Canadian design. Joining me today is Alexander Gelman, the author of Infiltrate, The Front Lines of the New York Design Scene, and Gelman founded his firm, Design Machine, in New York in 1997. He has been active in graphic, product, furniture, and interior design, as well as film, new media writing, criticism, and education. In New York, commissions have included identity elements for the Art Directors Club, New York, the interior exterior of Time Labs Fitness Club building, and the interior exterior of HK Restaurant. Gilman has designed his own line of products, including skateboards, T-shirts, buttons, pillows, rugs, stationary home furnishings, and lighting. He has been teaching since 1996 at institutions, including the School of Visual Arts, 
Parsons School of Design, the Cooper Union for the Advancement of Science and Art, Yale University, and Media Lab as a design fellow, no less, of uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He wrote the book, Subtraction, Aspects of Essential Design, and his new book, which we're going to be talking about today, Infiltrate, the Front Lines of the New York Design Scene, has been just released. And his work has been included in the 2000 National Design Triennial, Cooper Hewitt National Design Museum, and he was a nominee for the 2000 Daimler Chrysler Design Award. Michael Sertiz is the president of the Alberta chapter of the GDC, the Society of Graphic Designers in Canada, and an art director at Matricon in Edmonton. Michael leads the design and marketing for the second largest IT company in Alberta with revenue of over $50 million. In 2004, Michael was elected president of the Alberta North chapter of the GDC at the age of 26, the youngest individual to attain the honor in GDC history. What was I doing at 26? I can't remember. As the principal of MSD, Michael collaborates with clients to help in the growth of their companies. My third guest is the lovely and feisty Marion Banshees. Marion is an artist, a thinker, a writer, a teacher, a bon vivant, and a designer. Marion founded and ran a design firm in Vancouver for eight years before starting her own firm. Her work has been featured in the January issue of Step Magazine. She teaches typography through the Emily Carr Institute. She's a writer on the design blog Speak Up, and she is the communications chair of the Vancouver chapter of the GDC. Considered by this speaker to be one of the most exciting designers working today, you can see Marion's work in Details Magazine, on the Vera website, and she is currently designing an ornamental typeface with Ross Mills of Tyro Typeworks. So welcome, my lovely guest. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Gelman, I'd like to start with you. Why Infiltrate? What was the motivation behind the book? Tell us everything. Well, um it was um, after September 11 when um, a lot of clients pulled back, um, cut their uh, budgets. Uh, designers started doing more experimental work. and There was um, a lot of interesting work done, and I, um, I've been observing that. And uh, But nobody outside of New York... Um, and it's interesting that people outside of New York, they think that they, they're familiar with what's going on in New York. Um, and um, so this book is a reaction to, um, I guess, to the time and to process, yeah, reaction to what's, uh, what's happening. What was your criteria in choosing the designers for the book? Uh, the criteria was... Um, I wanted to show people who, um, you know, don't sit, uh, you know, in their office and wait for a design brief, you know, from client to call. Uh, uh, this book is about people who uh, try new things, um, you know, who initiate projects, who, um, you know, take I initiative and basically, you know, do um, uh, interesting work. Uh, no matter what. Did any designer seek you out for inclusion in the book, or was it something where you just decided who was going to be in it? No, I did. I did. I did the research. It, um, it mostly my friends. Uh, you know, I included <laughs> people who who I didn't know. So it's Gelman's friends, the front lines of New York design scene. Well, it. Uh, <laughs> be honest. Tell us. Tell us. Well, 
I I happen to be involved in many uh, design organizations in New York and a lot of different. It's interesting that uh, there is no really one scene, one design scene in New York. There are many different scenes. There is a there are book jacket designers who hang out with book jacket designers and uh, you know they know each other and you know they don't know uh, you know much um, you know from outside. Um, there are uh, corporate designers, um, designers of corporate identity. Uh, they hang out, you know. Also, you know, they have their own events, and you know, they know each other. Then there are uh, motion graphics, and and so on. So I happen to be um, involved in, you know, in you know all kinds of different circles. So. So when I started working this book, I decided that I want to show a spectrum of disciplines and um, ages and backgrounds, and you know, just you know, show a little glimpse of you know what what New York design experience is like. Well, there are some expected designers in the book. I think that certainly anybody that's familiar with New York design would expect to see Stefan Sagmeister in the book. Um, I was very happy to see Paul Saar in the book, Jacob Trollback, um, the hunter-gatherer guys. And then there's some real up-and-comers. Um, well, Carson Wilker is sort of, you know, up-and-coming and then, you know, an it firm of the moment. Um, Sung Jung Kim, tell us about the range of talent in the book from the superstars to the up-and-comers. Well, that's also, yeah. That was done intentionally to show spectrum from to put together Zagmeister, who is probably the most established um, uh, designer in the book, with people who recently graduated and you know who do really amazing work. But um, uh, you know, just to put them together and see uh, you know see that mix and see uh, uh, you know certain stimulating. Uh, you know, visual variety and variety of ideas. Every project in the book is, has a is, is not just a, uh, a different style or um, uh, just a pretty picture. Uh, I made sure that every project in the book is an interesting idea, and that is um, every illustration is trying to say something. Um, I'd like to talk about some of the designers in Infiltrate. Tell us a little bit about your conversation with Carol Bukanowicz. In, in the interview, rather than talking about her current work, I got the sense that she was really quite sad about not getting the credit due her for founding M & Company with Tibor Kalman. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Why did you choose to use that part of the interview as the main focus of what was in the printed version of the book? Well, what's interesting uh, is that... Um, uh, Carol, uh, I choose I, I choose Carol for for the book because uh, it was um, the influence of Tibor is is um, uh, is very strong, and uh, um, people talk about Tibor as a um, you know kind of a you know almost non-existing figure, and you know I remember him um, and. Uh, I remember the time, you know, when Tibor uh, Tibor was around and and you know also was trying to make it and you know he was trying to trying to be accepted and um, a lot of people uh, didn't pay attention to uh, or kind of ignored him and um, I wanted to talk to somebody uh, who 
who was around at that time and really, um, um, you know, hear from the horse's mouth, basically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the story. And also, uh, you know, with, with all that, uh, how do you say, Tibor uh, uh, influence, Carol, Carol's name uh, wasn't... Um, as present as uh, some of you know other alumni of uh, Amman Company, so mm-hmm. I thought it would be interesting to uh, to give her a certain you know uh, forum to speak up. Did you feel though that it was more about her past than her present? Uh, it was. Uh, I mean. Uh, those interviews, they really, um, they weren't structured. Uh, I, 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 I didn't really have an agenda of what I want to, you know, squeeze out of, out of my interviews. Uh, uh, it, it was more of a flow. So, you know, my first question was, was about Tibor, and, and that's how, how this, um, it was probably one of the main topics of the of that interview. Although she talked about her other interests and you know what else is she doing, and, and there is some work in the book that she's done um, recently, not not with Tibor. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, we're going to need to take a break. Um, we will come back to this discussion in a few minutes. Uh, you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my guests today are. Alexander Gellman, author of Infiltrate, The Front Lines of the New York Design Scene, and designers extraordinaire Michael Surtees and Marion Banshees. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages. Please don't go away. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm Rob Wallace. My partners and I run one of the country's premier brand identity and packaging design consultancies, Wallace Church. And if you're like me, you've already become an avid fan of the program that you're listening to, Design Matters. And if you're like me, you want more. You want a deeper dive into some of the strategic and creative issues that have inspired design and affect consumer buying behavior. You want to engage the speakers on a one-to-one basis. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are in luck. Through the Institute of International Research, a three-day conference is being held in Manhattan's Grand Dame on April 18th through 20th. The conference name is FUSE, and its focus is on the synergy of brand strategy, design, and performance. It promises to be the year's most informative brand identity industry event. Debbie Millman of Design Matters will join Cheryl Swanson to host an elite group of brand identity thought leaders from the marketing, design, and consumer insights worlds. You'll hear from Mary Ann Pesch, the president of Gillette Company's personal care division, on the identity strategies that have shaped some of the most successful world brand launches. Design Matters guests Professor Grant McCracken will analyze the cultural trends that affect consumer interactions with brands. Stanley Hainsworth, global creative director of Starbucks, will be sharing the critical role that design played in the success of that brand phenom. And I will be moderating a panel of corporate design leaders from Nestle, Unilever Foods, Sharing Plow, and the retailer CVS, 
where you can directly engage them with your questions. This event is dedicated to delivering the most forward-thinking and inspirational as well as real-world and actionable criteria into how you can optimize brand identity in your organization. It is simply not to be missed. For more information, call 888-670-8200. That's 888-670-8200. Or visit www.iirusa.com backslash BIPD for brand identity package design. Again, www.iirusa.com backslash BIPD. Mention Design Matters and receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. I look most forward to meeting you on April 18th at the Plaza here in New York City. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for Big Business Marketing for Small Business Budgets. Big Business Marketing for Small Business Budgets is completely dedicated to helping small businesses thrive and be more profitable. On the show, learn leading practices for bonding emotionally with customers and securing lifetime loyalty. This one-of-a-kind talk show is hosted by Jeanette McMurtry, author of the book, Big Business Marketing for Small Business Budgets and John Cooper, veteran marketing and leadership consultant. Together, they will keep you up to date on marketing trends and how to create passionate customers for life. So log on to Big Business Marketing for Small Business Budgets with Jeanette McMurtry and John Cooper every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now, back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.20 Eastern Standard Time. It is 1.20 Mountain Standard Time. And you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from Edmonton, Canada. I am your host, Debbie Milliman, and my guest today are the author of Infiltrate, The Front Lines of the New York Design Scene, Alexander Gelman, and designers Michael Surtees and Marion Banshees, both directors with the Canadian Graphic Design Council. If you'd like to join our conversation, why wouldn't you? Or you have a question for any of my three guests, please call 1-866-233-7861. We have been talking about Frontline I'm sorry, infiltrate the front line of the New York design scene. And I want to talk a little bit with my guests about their point of view on design aesthetics. I've often had my design point of view challenged, as it is in my, my humble opinion. Design cannot or should not be evaluated purely on aesthetics, as for the most part, I believe that graphic design is not a fine art. I personally believe that good graphic design needs to be a sound combination of cultural anthropology, of psychology, of marketing, and stellar creativity. Um, therefore, the effectiveness of design needs to be evaluated in tandem with its performance in the marketplace as well as its, uh, as its level of integrity and its te- technique, which makes for difficulties when talking to designers who are what I call design purists, those mainly passionate designers that don't want to consider that assessing the results of design you are analyzing is a big part of measuring its power. So with that in mind, um, Gelman, the work that is showcased in the book, do you feel that it is more of an aesthetic statement about the work on the front lines of New York or a statement about the power of good design? No, I, I don't 
think it's an aesthetic statement. Um, uh, and I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't trying and I wouldn't be interested to make an aesthetic statement. Uh, I think aesthetics are important. Um, when you, when you talk about design especially. Uh, but, um, my, my focus was, um, um, just, uh, the content, the, uh, um, you know, certain ability of uh, uh, the energy and and the drive and the ability of of, of designers uh, to explore different territories and blur uh, uh, a little bit distinctions between genres and stuff like that. I, I, I'm I'm always interested in um, in ideas. And uh, uh, experimentation, whether it's, you know, sometimes it's successful, sometimes not. Marion, what about you? What is your opinion? How do you evaluate good design? How do you assess what you see in front of you and make the determination whether you think it is on the front lines or on the sidelines? Um, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of probably the wrong person to ask this question. Well, that's why we're asking you, Marion. <laughs> exactly that reason. This makes a good radio. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, Debbie and I, we went out this morning for uh, for a coffee, and we were we were sitting outside and, and uh, sitting on an Edmonton Street here. I'm from the prairie, so I'm very familiar with um, the sort of prairie, the prairie thing. And I was looking around the street and, and looking at, um, you know, the various signage and, and things that, that people have up. And, and I, I mean, uh, you know, a big thing in design these days, um, or perhaps always, um, you know, you hear a lot from, from designers who say that they're really interested in, um, uh, you know, eradicating all the horrible design from the world. You know, they, they, they talk about themselves as some kind of hero that goes, you know, that goes out and, and, and saves the world from, from bad design. And I've gotten to a point um, in my life, in my sort of uh, thinking, um, that I'm I'm starting to embrace um, all that stuff that that I previously thought was was horrible, was an abomination. And like what? Most, like what? Tell us, like what? Um, you know the the the. Um, the sort of self-made design, the, the design that's, that's done by people who are not designers, the, the design that, that you know we would consider bad, the, the signs that are that are put up, um, you know, printed from um, I don't know people's computers and, and, and the you know the the so-called vernacular in a way, but I'm I'm actually more interested in the. Um, um, you know the computerized vernacular, the, the stuff that that we look at, and we say, you know, oh God, somebody's got to do something about that. And I have got to a point where I just, um, I'm, I'm really questioning that, and I'm really, I'm really interested in what makes non-designers make design decisions. And I and I look at things sometimes, and I wonder, like, does it really matter? I'm getting the message. I'm getting the message that they have a sale on, or that they, or that they exist, or that they. Um, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to say, I'm, I'm getting the message. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be um, prettied up in, in such a way. And I'm sorry because you know this is blasphemy. This is design blasphemy. But I'm, I, I no longer want to save the world from bad design. I, I really think that it's uh, that it contributes in a, in a way um, that I find 
oddly appealing. <laughs> so I really am the wrong person to ask that question on. Well, I don't think that it makes you the wrong person. I think it makes for interesting comments and really interesting conversation. Michael's shaking his head, and he's looking a little bit skeptical, but I think he might be with me on this one. Michael, what do you think? Well, I think, like, when you, Mary, when you mentioned that, I was thinking you were going to talk about visual pollution, not necessarily what's going on with someone that is just being true to just getting out that message. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things out there that aren't very practical, and you're using a lot of visual fireworks. That was, that is what I would consider bad design, but... What did you call it? Visual... Fireworks. Fireworks. So we have visual pollution and visual fireworks. Yeah. I'm loving yeah, that. I, I don't know. I might agree with you on that. I mean, a lot of that vernacular stuff that you're mentioning, it seems to have a lot of character. And I mean, you, you photograph it, and it seems beautiful uh, a lot of the time. So uh, for me, I sort of... When I look at design, I'm thinking of it more from a practical point of view, uh, and it's not so much aesthetics as much as is it, is, it, is it speaking to the client's client as opposed to um, stroking that designer ego. Yeah, I I guess um, I I don't know. I also I, I had an experience a, a little while ago. Uh, I was you know in a Chinese restaurant in some small town in in Saskatchewan, and you know they had those placemats that have like all those little ads that are all put around. And this is not what I would call the kind of vernacular design that we that we take pictures of that we love that we then try to reprocess and and bring into our own work and make it also. Um, quaint and whatever. This is the, you know, this is the kind of uh, uh, like working level um, design stuff, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking of. I look at it and I think, you know, there's something here. What is it? What is it that you find that's there? It, it's personality. Uh, you know what? Okay, that's my answer. That's my answer. That's what I look for in. That's well, what, I, that's, that's I what think... I look for in de- in design is personality and. And um, it's it's something that you you look at it and and or you you get something from it and whether that's coming, you know, by, by, whether it's client driven or whether it's designer driven or whether it's something that somebody made it's 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 speaking to me somehow as opposed to you know like some kind of massive corporate thing that that is not. Yeah, but I don't I don't think that that kind of menu needs to be streamlined to a particular aesthetic anyway, though. So. And what I think what's mean? good about it that it's really that it's you know it's done by people you know not maybe traders trained as designers but it's it's more connected to to the subject matter to the audience and you know if you ask designer in a, uh, you know on Park Avenue um, you know in a nice slick office to design you know to design a menu for this restaurant it's just you know just impossible because you need to be um, uh, you need to be familiar with the language that your audience understands. And yeah, I, I agree, I think. Well, it depends on what you mean by, it depends, I think, on what we all mean by personality and what we mean by ego. I think the biggest difference between a gorgeously designed menu that you're going to see in a beautiful, hip, trendy restaurant in Manhattan, or really anywhere, actually, is that it's a, a reflection of both the personality and the egos of the chef and the business partners that are putting that restaurant together. I think when you're looking at something that Marion saw in the Chinese restaurant, it very much is about personality, but I think it's absolutely devoid of ego. So how important is ego in the evaluation of good design? Gelman, what do you think? Well, I think good design is something um, 
you know, is a design that works. Um, and um, the criteria of whether it's working or not based on, you know, what, you know, what is it supposed to do. So the design I'm interested in and, you know, being really, you know, rooted in the, in the design culture, um, uh, I, I, I see a lot of, um, a lot of different design is going through my um, desk, and I travel a lot, and I see a lot of good design, a lot of bad design, and um, the design I'm interested in is, uh, I'm in interested in unexpected, interesting ideas, and uh, I'm interested in work that challenges the whole, um, challenges the parameters of design. What do you consider to be bad design? Can you give us an example of something that you would consider to be bad design? Uh, a lot of corporate design is bad because uh, it's um, it's being done um, um, it's being done by a committee and you know gets watered down from the initial idea to uh, to something that tries to serve satisfy everybody and at the end doesn't have any personality <clears throat> doesn't have any energy. And looks like everything else, um, and maybe doesn't have any ego, which or maybe too much ego. Um, yeah, we're going to have to take a quick break. I'd like to come back to this conversation in a few minutes. I'd like to let everybody know that they are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my guests today are the author of Infiltrate: The Front Lines of the New York Design Scene, Mr. Alexander Gelman, and the designers Michael Surtees and Marion Banshees with directors with the Canadian Graphic Design Council. I will try to get that out in a more articulate way next time. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages. Please don't go away. You're listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Good afternoon. I'm Pamela DeCesar of Brand Muse, and I'm excited to talk with you about the upcoming Brand Identity and Package Design Conference in April in New York City. I've been involved in this event for a number of years and love the yearly discussions that examine marketing, design, research, and production trends and get to the heart of the most pressing issues facing us in the industry today. Discover the reality of design in corporate America and the paradox of packaging. Design gurus Bruce Mao and John Maida, along with brand leaders from Gillette, General Mills, and MTV, will go in-depth into the most pressing issues we face and will deliver cutting-edge ideas that demonstrate brand growth and bottom-line impact through innovative strategy and design. Highlights this year include a dynamic multi-speaker symposium focused on capturing the global market, more speakers and sessions than ever before, Two new interactive workshops on making better color choices and breaking out of the box to achieve packaging innovation. A panel discussion on how two functions, creative and research, can work together effectively. Plus a cocktail party to connect and network with colleagues and friends. For more information, call 888-670-8200. 
or visit www.iirusa.com backslash BIPD or email register at iirusa.com. Mention that you heard about the event from Design Matters and receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. So rise to the challenge. Consider this conference an investment in your brand's future. Clear your calendar and prepare to walk away with inspiration, insight, and creative new ideas to implement when you return to the office. So see you in the Big Apple at the Plaza, April 18th through the 20th. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Live from the Matera Hotel in Edmonton, Canada, you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the only talk radio show on the air focusing on issues relating to graphic design, branding, and culture. I am Debbie Millman, your host, and my guest today are the author of Infiltrate, the Front Lines of the New York Design Scene, Alexander Gelman, and Michael Surtees and Marion Banshees, directors with the Society of Graphic Designers of Canada. Marion corrected me during the break, so I have that correctly. I'm sorry if I wasn't saying it before. Uh, if you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question for any of my three wonderful guests, please call 1-866-233-7861. Before the break, we were talking about good design versus bad design, personality and ego. And there was a quote in the book um, that I'd like to talk about. Um, Gelman, in your interview with Sang Du Kim, uh, the founder of Balloon, he states that he doesn't like the word communication because he believes that communication is really a kind of safe way of talking. And I quote from the book, there is speaker A and speaker B, These are positions of people who are talking to each other and listening to each other. But those are really safe positions. There are really subtle pictures in our heads, but then the subtlety is lost or ignored. Marion, as a prominent writer and a communicator on Speak Up, do you agree with this statement? Do you find that writing is less safe than talking because it is essentially or at least initially a monologue? Do you feel that communication is a bad word? Oh, man, what a question. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Got to ask the tough stuff. Why would people listen? Um, okay, well, I'll just start off. I also have a bit of a problem with the word communication in uh-huh. in terms of graphic design, and, but I, I'm not sure that I can articulate why. Um, what was that? Do, do, I, do I feel that communicating in writing is, is safer than talking? Is it? Well, yeah. How? I mean, talking is subjective, and you can reinterpret things. You can think you might have heard something and actually not. You can make tons of Freudian slips, whereas writing is is very permanent. It's there. It can't be changed unless it's plagiarized, but then you'd often get caught in that. But, you know, it's something that is... But can you hear me? I I can hear you. Okay, good. Um, um, writing, I mean, you have time to think. That's the thing about writing, is that you have time to think, you have time to mm-hmm. revise, okay. you have time to organize your thoughts. And I mean, this is, you know, this is a big one for me because um, my brain doesn't work that well on the fly. So, I mean, like, what I'm doing right now is um, 
extremely dangerous for me because I'm 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 I have a lot of trouble, you know, like organizing my thoughts and getting and getting them out there. Whereas writing is um, it you know it just flows so much more easily for me, and then I'm able to go back and, and resort, restructure. And 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 put it out there in some kind of form that is coherent. So, but where I'm talking, who knows what who knows what can happen? It's live radio, and anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> for, for our listeners, that's the warning that I always give the guests: it's live radio, anything can happen. Michael, um, as somebody that is a, a native Canadian, do you find there to be fundamentally different points of view in the work that you're seeing on in the book um, versus the front lines of Canada and the front lines of design work in Canada? Um. I'm not sure how to answer that question. Yes, no. <laughs> um, what do you think of the? Do you think that there are fundamental differences between Canadian design and yeah, New York design? Uh, not as much as you would think, and I think the sad reality is that most Canadian designers look to the U.S. and replicate that as opposed to taking a stand and doing something original. It's safer that way. Um, if you sort of think of Canadian design, there's not, I mean, there's ego, but not necessarily in aesthetics. You look at something and you might not necessarily know who it came from. You might know the particular region, uh, but outside of that, I don't know if there is that that um, under, that visual, like, uh, grab, I, I'm not sure what I'm trying to get at, but it's... Um, it, it all sort of comes, it all sort of looks the same after a while. I completely agree. I, I find that Canadian, I mean, you know, the Canadian designers are going to crucify me for this, but I do find that, uh, that Canadian designers tend to follow rather than lead. And, um, um, you know, that, that's what I see in, in, the, uh, in, in the book. I see um, a lot of, um, uh, there's, there's sort of like this, this real attempt to be different, and whether that's good or bad, that is very different from, from Canada, where there seems to be a real attempt to be the same. And, really? You know, yeah, well, I mean, okay, here, here we go. Crucify me, Canada. <laughs> yeah, but, but the other thing you need to consider is that I don't know if anyone would try publishing a book like that in Canada. No one would sort of take, take it upon themselves to do that. So, I mean, there might be those original ideas out there, but no one's looking for them either. Well, what I found really interesting when I was looking through all of the designers and, and where they came from in the book, I was actually really struck by the fact that there are quite a lot of foreigners featured. There are people from Belgium, from Switzerland, from Sweden, from Seoul, from Germany, from the U.K., from Iceland. I mean, this is really about people that have migrated to New York and the work that's coming out of New York from an aesthetic point of view and not really from a regional point of view because there are actually, I think, no more than two or three, correct me if I'm wrong, Gelman, native New Yorkers actually featured in the book. So I don't know that it's so much about... There are a couple, couple of native New Yorkers, but I, I think what's unique about, about New York for a book like this is that it's really by focusing on a, such a small geographic area as New York, uh, Manhattan and Brooklyn, and um, uh, you really give um, it. It really, you know, it becomes like a mirror of, of what's happening around the world because people who make New York design, they came from somewhere. They brought a little bit of their culture, a little bit of their experiences and education. And but when they're in New York, um, it is a New York design. So, so I think uh, it would be unfair to um, um, 
and take uh, uh, the uh, book about New York design and compare it to, bo- to uh, something like this in, let's say, Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just New York is a very unique place in that sense, and it's not really American design. Uh, I-, I think American design overall, uh, I just like Michael and Marin just um, uh, mentioned, follows and um, you know, you know, takes less chances. Um, uh, designers in New York. I'm sh- I, actually, I'm sure that designers in Canada take chances, but uh, somebody has to, um, you know, take their ass off of, of the couch and uh, discover them. And um, <laughs> I think I think Debbie would say it's the other way around. I, th- I think Debbie would say that. Those well, waiting to be uh, discovered but, are, um, are going to get their asses off the couch and get out there and be discovered, right, Debbie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I might, I might, I might. I mean, do you think that there are people who's taking chances in Canada? Who's well, I guess, I guess people who came to New York, they already took their, their asses off. They already <laughs> so we got to get our asses off the couch and come to New York. To be discovered in New York then. <laughs> okay. Then well, we have a caller. Uh, we have Renee from New York who's on the line. Renee, thank you for calling Design Manners. Oh, thank you, Debbie. I actually have a question for Marion. Uh, Marion, I saw one of your graphic pieces, and it read, "Art and design are cousins, and they should never go to bed together." Yes. But if I had to describe your work, it seems almost seductive and incestual, and a perfect marriage of art and design. So, I guess since I'm not a designer now, where you tell me why I'm wrong? Okay. Well, I have to explain that piece. Um, that was a that was a submission for the Speak Up poster competition, and which shockingly did not. <laughs> and um, the, the premise of the poster was that was that we were to use um, the words of somebody who had had written something on the site, and I chose uh, those words, which were written by Design Maven, who's a who's an infamous um, blogger, and um, that he had written that, and, and I actually strongly disagreed with it. So when I designed the poster, it was meant as a a, a refutation of that of that. Statements, and I, you know, deliberately made it a kind of an Art Nouveau uh, sort of, um, you know, over-the-top aesthetic because I really believe that design and art are in bed together. They have been in bed together, and they should be in bed together. And, and so that's my answer to your question. Oh, great. Well, then I was right, and it is a beautiful piece, so thanks for uh, setting me straight. Oh, thank you. Thank you for calling. I know thank there is you. a... There is a notion, there is a belief that design is not art, and but design and art they influence each other um, uh, on, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, art is influenced by design a lot since um, pop art and even earlier, and um, so it's it's true that it it's really um, very very sometimes it's it's very hard to take them apart. Well, in the twenties, you know, artists were designers and vice versa. I mean, it was it was very, you, what, and architects, what, architects as well. It was very sort of cross-pollinated, but by not not just people collaborating, but by single individuals doing all of those things. Well, one of the things so that I was struck at and the business of design are are very different, but you know that's another issue. Well, one of the things that I was really struck at um, going through your book, Gelman, was how much art it really seemed to be featuring. I mean, it was this marvelous 
beautiful combination of both graphic and fine art. I mean, yes, there's certainly you know great graphic design feature in the book, but it seems very heavily influenced by by fine art. Um, unfortunately, we are going to have to take a quick break. I'd like to let everyone know that they are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my guests today are Alexander Gelman, Marion Banshees, and Michael Surtees. We will be back with our broadcast after these messages. Please don't go away. More and more people are starting their day with informative, focused business talk. Top experts. Today's business issues. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Hi, this is Cheryl Swanson from Tonic. I'm going to be chairing the upcoming Brand Identity and Package Design event April 18th through 20th at the Plaza Hotel with Debbie Millman. Debbie and I have been co-chairing this event together for many years, and this year will be the biggest event of its history. We love this conference because it integrates marketing, design, research, and production issues. You'll learn from more than 45 design and marketing leaders about paths to success and pitfalls to avoid. Join Gillette, MTV, Starbucks, General Mills, P&G Beauty, Dell, The Clorox Company, Master Foods, Estee Lauder, Dial, Microsoft, Hallmark Cards, Unilever, CBS, Nestle, Coors, and Texas Instruments at the event of the year. Go in-depth on the topics most important to you. Enjoy candid conversations, catch up with old friends, and meet new colleagues at the plaza. Gain usable insights from thought leaders like Marianne Pesch, President of Personal Care at Gillette, John Maida from MIT, Stanley Hainsworth, Global Creative Director at Starbucks, Bruce Mao, Stefan Sagmeister, and lots of other visionaries. For more information, call 1-888-670-8200 or visit www.iirusa.com backslash B-I-P-D, or email register at IIRUSA.com. Mention Design Matters, and you'll receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. Looking forward to seeing you April 18th at the Plaza in New York City. Join Jane Curry and Diana Young every Monday at 8 a.m. for The Last Word. When you listen to The Last Word, you won't feel as though you're getting a root canal without anesthetic. And you'll leave every show with tips about how to write so you can get more promotions, make more money, and go home early. Learn how to add persuasive power to everything you write, from email to sales proposals, and get the praise and respect you deserve. So tune in and call in to The Last Word with Jane Curry and Diana Young every Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, right here on the Bottom Line of Business Talk. Voice America Business. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now, back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.48 Eastern Standard Time. It is 1.48 Mountain Standard Time. And you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Matera Hotel in Edmonton, Canada. 
I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guests today are Alexander Gelman, Marion Banshees, and Michael Surtees. We are talking about good design, bad design, ego, personality, and now I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the recent projects that our guests are working on. Michael, what, what's happening in your career? What is going on that you want to talk about? Well, right now at Matricon, um, I'm sort of refreshing the, the brand that is Matricon, and it's tough because it's a business-to-business. It's not a consumer brand. So so this is the kind of project that, that Gelman might suggest was in that arena of questionable. Well, I, I don't know if it would be questionable because, I mean, it pays the mortgage. So, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, essentially for me right now, it's uh, re-looking at a lot of stuff that Matricon does, whether it's through the website, whether it's through the marketing materials, whether uh, anything that, any communication piece that someone might be uh, looking at. So it's all being re- redesigned in parallel right now, which is kind of interesting. So everything is sort of fitting together right now in a really nice way. Um, it's not going to be probably released for a couple more months, but uh, it's it's been pretty pretty interesting and a worthwhile project for me. On the flip side, uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff with the GDC. Uh, I've been very focused on a, a great design event that we had last night, of course, and um, now it'll be sort of planning for the summer, and we've got four or five more uh, great lectures that we're going to have in the, in the fall. So I'm going to be focusing on that right away. Marion, there's a couple of things that I want to ask you about. Thank you, Michael, for sharing that with us. Um, I saw a, a poster that actually did not make it to print that you designed for the St. Bride 2004 Bad Type Conference. It's one of the most magnificent posters I've ever seen. Can you tell us a little bit about it and um, why it didn't go to press? Okay. Um, well, it was um, it, it, the, the concept for the poster was the, the, you know it was a bad type conference, and I have this um, ornamental typeface that I'm developing called Restraint. And um, Shelley uh, Grindler um, asked me um, to to use this this typeface that I was working to to do something using bad words. And, um, and, and, you know, we, we talked about it and, and we came up with hell shit, fuck damn. And, um, I said, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to do this? And, and she said, yeah, no, I, I it's going to be great, you know. So I, so I started working with it and, and my, my ornamental typeface kind of fits into a grid like Scrabble. And as I started working on it, it, it like it just all fell together, the, the four, four letter words and then, Saint Bride down one side and Bad Type down the other side had the same number of characters, and then London fit in perfectly in the bottom. In 2004, it just came together into this incredibly beautiful, like it was just perfect. And when I showed it to them, they loved it, like they totally, totally loved it. But unfortunately, at the last, like at the last moment, they just got cold feet on Hell Shit Fuck Damn, which was the, which was the original. Concept, so oh. it, it didn't make it. Is there any place people can see it? Is it on your website? It, I believe it's on my website. Yeah. Can you yeah, share that website address? Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, www. Uh, com, and that's Q U A T R I S O L I O. And you're also designing uh, tattoos now, aren't you? Yes. Um, well, tattoos. But basically, I just finished the the most important project of my life, and that is um, designing a tattoo for a guy in Toronto. I've never met him, um, and he uh, he contacted me because he loved my work, 
and loved it enough that he wanted it on his body. And this is this is not a little tattoo. It's an extensive tattoo that goes across his chest, down both arms, and around to the back. And it, it, it was an unbelievable experience. It was just incredibly personal um, with someone I've never met. And... And um, and we both we both absolutely love the artwork and it's and it's and it just feels like I mean it re- you know it's it's the most permanent thing I've ever done it feels like uh, it's just so so important and I and and he was an amazing amazing and wonderful client it's it's been a great great thing. You also do quite a lot of work with Rick Valicenti. Can you tell us some about some of the collaborative uh, work that you've done? Okay, well, I wouldn't say quite a lot, but Rick and I are friends and. Um, uh, the most collaborative thing I've done with him was um, I did a um, uh, what I call a graphic conversation with him. And um, when I came up with the idea to do it, um, I asked him, I said, you know, we could do this two ways. We could do it the easy way or the hard way. And the easy way would be, um, you know, I send you digital files and you work on them and then send them back to me. And the hard way would be we actually do it on paper, like I'll, I'll draw on paper and send it to you and you draw on it and send it back. And he, he chose the hard way <laughs> Rick, <laughs> and it was it was a wonderful wonderful experience. Um, and then I've, I've done a couple other things, sort of with him, for him, around him, um, that you know um, have, have also been a really great great experiences for. And those are also on your website. Uh, one of them is. Okay. Yeah. We have a caller. Uh, we have Kevin from New Jersey. Kevin, welcome to Design Matters. Hi, thank you very much. Uh, as I've been listening to you guys talk, I, it reminded me of the quote um, from Picasso, good artists borrow and great artists steal. Uh, mm-hmm. My question is, what kind of role does ego play in your work? Because, you know, I mean, to, to design a tattoo, you have to have some confidence in yourself. I just wanted to know how far that goes. Interesting question. Thank you, Kevin. Marion, I think that was addressed to you. Um, well, ego, I, I mean... Is, I mean, I, I really, uh, I have to confess, I'm, I'm a massively egotistical <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of me in my work. I'm, uh, it's, you know, like a, a 100%. And that's why it was, the tattoo was, um, when I first started it, I, I thought, I, you know, I thought this could be a nightmare of an experience because I've, I've got absolutely no recourse to, to say, oh, I think it should be like this. It's, it's going on the guy's body. Right? He, he can have whatever he wants. And it just worked out that we both wanted the same thing, and so I guess the, both of our egos just happened to be in sync. So that was lucky, I think. Does that answer your question? Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Thank you very much. Now, was there any other um, time where, in your career where ego got in the way? For me? Yes. Um, where ego got in the way? Well, um Probably. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I, I, I have a bit of a, a different history, and it would kind of take too long to explain, but I used to be, um, I, used, I, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't answer the question in the time allowed. <laughs> okay, no problem. Kevin, you'll thank have you to figure out how to reach Marion through SpeakUp, but thank you very much for calling. Um, Gailman, anything that you'd like to talk to us about, aside from the book that you're working on? Well, the... Um, well, we're working on Infiltrate 2. Oh, wow. Uh, Infiltrate LA and Infiltrate London. And what about Infiltrate Canada? Um, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, there you have an idea. I, well, it's at this, this point way, in our show. I'm sorry? In each place outside of New York, we, I, 
I partnered with somebody on doing this book, so if you guys want to talk about it, you know, it would be interesting. Oh, very good. And the project that I just finished, actually, it was shipped yesterday, um, is a music video for Plaid on Warp Records. Wow, wonderful. And, um, so it will be released on DVD in June. Wonderful. Um, well, I think that our listeners should know that if they're interested in looking at any more of the interviews aside from what is in the book, they can go to the Infiltrate website, and that is infiltratenyc.com, and you could read about Paul Saar talking about his Doyle experiment. You could read about Min Choi talking about her ideas about rebranding FedEx. Um, you can talk, listen, uh, read about Michael Felber. Uh, at loan talking about brand identity and the function of personal identity. Um, it's quite a wonderful book, and I encourage our listeners to read it. Um, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our ninth broadcast here at Design Matters, and I'd like to thank my marvelous guest, Alexander Gelman, the lovely Marion Banshees, the adorable Michael Surtees. I could not be doing this without the kind and patient people at Voice America Business, Denise Dion, Chris, Lori, my executive producer, Brian Travis, Ruben, and Dion. I'd also like to thank the staff and my partners at Sterling. Please join me next week as I welcome the principals of the acclaimed design firm number 17. Yes, the goddesses themselves, Emily Oberman and Bonnie Siegler. Thank you for listening, everybody, and see you next week. Voice America Business would like to thank you for tuning in for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Be sure to listen every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for another exciting hour of Design Matters. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business.